Hello, Cinema Trip family. I'm here to provide you all with an update. As you can tell, the audio that I'm speaking through right now and the audio that you're going to hear for the rest of the show is uh, not at the quality that we normally have it on. It is because our original audio file died for some reason. And so this is the backup audio file that thankfully we still had to use with. So uh, thank you all for your continued support and enjoy the show. The beginning is missing. Something about the backup audio file also killed the beginning. But we're going forward. We are trudging ahead. As you designed this blind, there were some other options I know you were going over in your head. So what led you to Widows? And then, of course, feel free to jump right into any relevant background information. It's done with a very talented director, Steve McQueen. And it's a style of movie that isn't just a play. That's not just a... It's one where she's much more proactive than responsive, which is sadly what most of her characters have been doing for a lot of this and much also one where she takes much more of a leading role like she is the cause of the plot heading in the direction that it's heading that's that's kind of what i wanted to do also it's a movie that i hadn't seen before and it's a heist film and it's there's there's a decent amount of action in it and that's that's that was the mentality wait let's let's get into uh, some of the relevant details we like to discuss, of course, as you mentioned, uh, co-written and directed by Stephen Queen, 2018 release of his, following up 12 Years a Slave. Co-written by Gillian Flynn, who did Gone Girl. Yes. Some, is... some similar themes from Gone Girl, which is interesting, uh, sneak their way into Widows, so some, some fun ideas that she's playing with once again. Yes. <laughs> yes, but this is, well, I've not seen all of Stephen Queen's filmography. It is interesting in that it's it's different. It's kind of an action movie, kind of not. Definitely, yeah, not not. It, it's definitely a more highbrow take on a heist movie. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I would say there's there's more Spike Lee DNA than Ocean's Eleven DNA <laughs> in terms of how McQueen mixes everything together. Lot a, a lot is on his mind, and even as he adapts this British television series to from the land he is from, Britain, to uh, the USA here, uh, still manages to, to make some insightful commentary about our country uh, and using that story from the UK to tell it here. Definitely a very, very dense, but interesting and, and thought-provoking movie. But it's interesting also because some of his trademarks, like he is very good at not using background score. And that was something I noticed for a long time long time here and he's very good at intercutting intimate scenes with scenes in peril or in danger uh so that that was definitely something that came to mind um of course michelle rodriguez is in this movie brian tyree henry is in this movie daniel kaluuya is in this movie elizabeth becky's in this movie who liam neeson Lee, yeah, of course neeson, who is 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 not given much screen time um, his character is blown up <laughs> at the beginning of the movie so <laughs> let, well let, let me say this though not given much screen time he kind of kills it yeah that he does that's, i would agree that's, that's all i'm gonna say before we head into this review um and it's definitely different than Viola davis's previous films she is given much more of the as stated before the the leading role she is organizing 
a group of women who are the widows of men who died in a heist gone wrong in order to perform a heist because the person from which their husband stole from has come to collect that money. And it is set against the, the it's not just used as a backdrop, but the um, elections for the 18th Ward of Chicago pitting Colin Farrell, who is also in this movie, against Brian Tyree Henry for who should remain in control of the ward. Right, it's, a, it's an alderman in Chicago, which is essentially a, a city council member. Like, that's what they're running for. Well, because Chicago so ma- It's basically like the mayor of a neighborhood. Right. Anyway, uh, given that, is there any... Are there any other players we need to talk about before we head into this review? Uh, I mean, there's there's some fun people here. Sean Bobbitt, who's a frequent collaborator with Stephen McQueen, shot the movie. Hans Zimmer did the music, which I had forgotten. And so, although it's sparsely used, it's very effective, in my opinion. Uh, but it was also, unfortunately, was not a smash hit at the box office. It it broke, it, it made back the money used. Right. It just, it, yeah, I, I just mean to say it wasn't, like, an enormous hit. And, unfortunately, went unnoticed by the Oscars that year. Although Viola Davis did pick up a BAFTA nomination for Actress in a Leading Role. So, I'm curious as we get deeper into our conversation if you think that was wise of the Academy or if you feel like it was... Maybe left out in certain categories, and, and we'll see, I'm sure. But one notable snub that year, I remember the conversation uh, centering around a few films, but this being one of them. All right, with that, we're ready to head into the review. Let's do it. Scott, are you ready for your opening question? Christian, I, I'm just I'm so ready, just unfathomably ready, I'm pulsating with energy over here. I'm, I'm ready, Christian. Hit me. Opening question. Dope. So... Uh, Widows has been cited as blending dramatic themes with popcorn thrills, and I got that from First Post, which I think is a news outlet. I'm not sure. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, but, you know, give credit where credit is due. Amen. (laughs) But I did want to ask you, what is it that worked best for you in this film? Was it the dramatic tension? Was it the popcorn thrills? Or was it when they were blending the two together? You know, that is a tough question, because at first glance, when I read that quote, I was a little bit surprised, because Widows I wouldn't call a, you know, an anti-heist film, or a re- revisionist heist film. You know, the heist still is what we're building to here. It's maybe not as fun as movies like Ocean's Eleven, fun being, not, you know, interpret that as you will, but I, I did think, thinking on it, there are a lot of moments where there are, you know, quote-unquote, popcorn moments. There, of course, is the heist at the climax of the film. There's casing the joint, you know. Uh, uh, um, Viola Davis's character is Veronica here, and Veronica does go to this home they're going to rob and then tries to get a sense of the security and, and so on. You get to do that scene through the eyes of this movie. There's a plot twist, pretty major plot twist, which, you know, I'm sure we might get into, but we won't fully spoiled before clearly marking that because I do want people to see this movie if they didn't have a chance. So I gotta say, I I think the blend, like you said, is is what made it work. It's not so much that I wished it would get back to the more thrilling sequences or that I wish McQueen would have lived in simply the the moments of excellent acting or heavy social commentary. It's, It's the fact that they're working together that makes Widows so special. It is great as a heist movie and as a, a movie trying to make a point and trying to communicate about the world and, and teach us about 
not not just you know race in America or something like that, but about men and women, about the ways that society treats widows, for example. Uh, and I think there's a lot going on, and uh, I love a movie where there's a lot going on and the points that are being made work. <laughs> Sometimes it can be overstuffed and unsatisfactory, but I did not get that sense of widows whatsoever. So it is that blend for me. I, I, I think I would agree with you in that it starts off with the blend. We start off with a combination of Viola Davis in bed with her husband, and they're just sharing a really, really passionate kiss, which is intercut. I, I gotta be real. I almost burst out laughing because the basically the first moment of this movie is Liam Neeson sticking his tongue halfway down Viola Davis's throat, and I wasn't prepared. <laughs> and of course, as you're saying, they are intercutting it with this heist that he and his crew attempt. Right, him yelling at people and uh, their van being shot up. But, and then, you know, more tongue. And so... <laughs> and, yeah, just, uh, to me, a highly comedic moment in a very serious movie. <laughs> it's, there are some really funny parts to this film. <laughs> no, but let's... Um, I guess I wanted to start off there because this is this is not a Steve McQueen film that I'm used to. And it's not, you know, something that's outside of his wheelhouse for sure. It's just, I'm, I'm trying to remember, we've seen Mangrove, 12 Years a Slave, Lover's Rock. I haven't seen Shame or Hunger. Nor have I. So are we on the same page there? Because those are the only two small acts movies that I watch. Those are the only two small acts movies I've seen. Now... But given those three, it's really, really serious. They're period dramas, and they deal with the awfulness that has occurred to black individuals both in the U.S. and in Britain. And this movie is different. We, it, and believe me, there's a ton of racial tension. Crap ton of racial tension. But, like... Yeah, the the fact that there's a romantic core, the when we look at Viola Davis just crying after she learns of the death of her husband, just screaming into the air. Um her dog her dog is really cute. <laughs> Olivia is the dog. I forget the name of the real dog, but it's the same dog from Game Night. You ever see Game Night, Christian? I I have not seen Game Night, but I've seen the dog <laughs> in the trailer. Well, first of all, you got to see Game Night. So that, uh, our that our friend just here, yeah, had a real, it in. real real great moment in 2018 because I think that's when Game Night came out as well. But that dog is a part of multiple hilarious scenes in that movie. So real range from the dog here. But I, I well, yeah, one of my favorite things about Veronica, she just brings the dog with her everywhere. Going yeah, to a friend's house, her. going to a seek, like a, a hideout. <laughs> Dogs coming. And let's talk about Viola Davis's performance. Then, given that, because she is needing to balance. This, this this grieving widow, which she does so well. She's so silent. She's so no-nonsense. We only, I think, see her smile maybe once in the movie. I think so. And we, and we know what scene it is that she smiles in, and I think it's like a revelation that she brings that. But outside of that, the extent to which she needs to recruit the other widows, and what's going on with her is just like a very proactive in danger mindset where it's it, it's like she's a bug trapped under the thumb of an individual and she's stinging back right she has 
she really, I, I noted to myself early on that this is different in some respects from other movies of hers that I've seen because she often gets to play a very commanding presence, even if she's playing a supporting part. And very often in the early parts of Widows, she is displaying deep vulnerability, definitely more connected to doubt and defenses. Some, you know, the other movies that we've covered here on the show, but that is in relation to the basically the men in her life and the social pressures that she's under, having lost her husband who supported her, maybe not lavish lifestyle, but supported her upper class lifestyle for sure. And now she's being threatened by a different man and has to steal from a third man. And yet she gets to flip that persona on its head when she is around these women. And she definitely brings the the authoritative, commanding Viola Davis presence that we all know to the scenes where she is interacting with Michelle Rodriguez and Elizabeth Debicki and later on Cynthia Erivo's characters as they try to plan and execute this heist. And that duality is obviously something that is tough to pull off because it's infrequent in movies that our leaders, our, our, the people who are commanding the room and ordering others around, infrequent that those people get to be deeply vulnerable and, and literally in danger, as Veronica Rawlings is at the beginning of this movie. And she pulls off those two sides to this woman with incredible skill. And she's doing that because she's juggling three different types of grief. It's the grief of losing her husband, the grief of previously having lost her son, and the grief of being in danger. Now, and, and it is that scene, and how she and Steve McQueen are they're complementing each other's strengths very well, where she is preparing, getting dressed to go to the funeral, and the camera is just staying on her, and she's not moving for a while. I mean, she's going through the motions, getting dressed, putting her jewelry on, and then she'll scream. And then she'll stop screaming, scream again, and then stop and we're just focused in on her because we can't look away from her face and how she she's kind of just taken that all in. It's all sunken in. So, facially, doing a great job there. <laughs> and, and the way that she speaks, the, the, the way that she speaks to the others is, you know, with a ton of, not just authority, Though, though it is that, but also a, a matter of factness where it's, she's, she's accepted her lot in life. Like, if you don't do this, we're going to die. There's a very real ticking clock element to the movie. She's basically given a month by Jamal Manning, who's Brian Tyree Henry's character, given a month to return the money in some way, shape, or form. And she's very serious about that with the others. Basically, are you in or are you out? Because if you're out, get out of my way. And if you're in, do your job. So who, I mean, who else on the cast stood out to you? Because I, I texted you about Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, I still don't understand what you're getting at about. He's so Kaluuya. creepy. He's like really, really creepy. He's yes. like someone who likes watching you die. Yes. And exactly. I, 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 I get that. It's just different from what I've seen. Because Daniel Kaluuya is like a really, really stoic individual in most of the movies that I've seen him in. Or except for probably Judas and the Black Messiah. But you are always rooting for him in movies in this movie i'm like man i cannot wait for this man to die this man yeah he is playing the brother of jamal manning jatem manning there's a great line earlier on where someone asks his name he says jatem and the person responds i love you too he i i think he really i mean he's got a really just a great 
part to play because he gets to be the baddest bad guy, the clearest cut evil villain who's walking around murdering people, stabbing people, taking care of his criminal enterprise and trying to cover for his brother who's trying to go basically go straight, clean up with this political campaign to maintain the influence they already have in this community, maintain it at, you know, at the political level, not just on the underground. So I, I really loved Kaluuya here because, number one, he's just a great actor who you love to watch, and it's fun when he shows up and things. But number two, he really does get to sink his teeth into that sadistic side of Jatem, <laughs> where we're seeing some pretty complex performances all around, and not to say his work is simple or anything like that, but it's just he's a much more clear-cut <laughs> type of character. I, I really dug it. it. He's not the one who like stood out the most to me or anything, but I, I really loved what he brought to the movie. But this is a really deep supporting cast. I mean, it's it's an ensemble in the truest sense of the word, where Veronica is, is the lead character, I would say, but even the other widows with her have... It's a very democratic movie in terms of screen time. Notable actors will pop up for precious few scenes. John Bernthal, who a lot of people will recognize, is... It's like 10 seconds of this movie, like, says goodbye. Yeah, one he's one of the husbands who blows up at the beginning, and <laughs> there's no flashbacks for him, and so... I mean, Robert there's Duvall is here. Him. There's pictures of him. Robert Duvall is here. Lucas Haas is here, who's famously friends with Leo DiCaprio, so you might recognize him from other movies there. Who, there's one other person I feel like we haven't mentioned yet. Um, Jackie Weaver, that's who it is. Who, again, some people may recognize her. Oscar-nominated actress and plays Elizabeth Debicki's mother. So there's a ton of notable actors, skilled actors, talented actors here, really bringing this story up a notch. So, it's hard for me to, to nail down a favorite, but did you have one? Because I know Kaluuya didn't necessarily work for you, but did no, you have he, one okay, did? he worked for me. I was just rooting against him. Well, I mean, you should. He's not a nice guy. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed what Elizabeth Debicki was doing, and I really... Because she's, she's, she's doing the whole young, naive woman who doesn't want to be considered young and naive. So there's a lot of, of not just her ingenuity, but she, she's flaunting, you know, her Polish accent. Yeah, I mean, she gets to, yeah, she does get a great scene of that. She, she, she has the more fun role to play out of all three widows, where it's not that she's, you know, enjoying the fact that her husband died and that she is, she's working as a female escort in order to, to get bills paid, but she's, like, really doing a lot with let me make the most of this and to even the wildness of her hair sometimes and, and um not just the makeup put on her but the 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 way that she's very much putting forth sexuality i, I thought you know was working well with what she was doing and brian tyree henry honestly such a menacing presence oh my gosh i mean talk about someone who normally he shows up and you love him and, and you're rooting for him even in something like bullet train where he's playing an assassin you know this is very different type of part for, for him to play. I'm, I'm sure he's played villains before, but definitely a little bit took me by surprise when he had his first menacing encounter with Viola Davis early on in the film. But really, had a good time. Had a, had a good time with this cast a lot. I mean, the, the thing that's hard is that you, you come out of the movie wishing you had more time with almost everybody. Maybe not Robert Duvall. His character is pretty heinous as well, but... There's so many... I wanted more Liam Neeson. Uh, can't I mean, lie. Yes. Yeah, like, Liam Neeson, the, the few scenes that he does get, he just absolutely crushes it. And there's so many enjoyable people here. I, I think, too, at least in terms of the, the actual casting and, and the parts that the widows themselves get to play, 
I really think that all three of those parts were were perfectly cast. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez also, of course, somebody who we're all familiar with, whether you know her from playing Letty in the Fast and the Furious movies, or you know her from other big movies she's showed up in over the years, like Avatar. She obviously is a great actor as well, and she gets some... She gets a scene in this movie that, like, pretty much, like, nothing I've ever seen before, in which she, in, in, the, in her attempt, in her prep for the job, she unknowingly stumbles onto someone who has also recently lost their spouse. And they share a really uncomfortable encounter, but it's one that just, it, the way that they act out that scene, her and the other actor, who I have no idea who it is, sorry to him, but that, that scene is one that sticks in your mind. And especially how she plays it. And it's uncomfortable, but she crushes it. And again, just really, really great casting uh, in terms of Davis, Rodriguez, and Debicki all. So that's that's the performances. The How did you like the actual action, the actual heist elements of this? Whether it's the breaking in and, and the, the heist gone wrong van thing at the end or the ultimate heist, I mean at the beginning, or the ultimate heist at the end in the vault or the even the, the um, thriller elements of needing to get all of this information. What, what were your thoughts on those? Yeah, I, I mean, the action when done, like the actual action sequences are incredibly well executed. The... The heist itself, at the end of the movie, once everything comes together, is so tense. And, of course, something always has to go wrong. And the moment where things go wrong for this heist in particular, it, I mean, it just, it grabs you. Okay, and okay, okay. Causes when you to things, tense up. We, well, I mean, which time when things go wrong? I, because I was, this is, okay, we're not, we're, I'm not going to spoil it, but the ultimate heist is, you know, they break into a vault, they take money out. Something goes wrong at the beginning. They get caught by someone. Something goes wrong a little bit later with the money. Which one are we talking I, about? I mean, both of those moments, really, I was thinking about the first moment where they they get caught by someone while still... That lasts like 20 seconds. It, I mean... It's kind of funny. Well, okay, then I guess there are three moments because... We, we do see them have a run-in with a female character that's kind of oh, funny. Oh, is that the... And then a run-in with okay. a male character who at that moment is much more tense. And at that moment in particular, Zimmer's music actually does kick in, where Roqueen has gone uh, often, like you said, without utilizing too much music, letting the actors and the, and the, you know, the blocking, the actual camera work stand on its own. But uh, that Zimmer score, it's like pulsing and like driving the action. It's just all a really, really incredibly well done sequence. Um, Another moment that really stood out to me, I, I don't know if you would call this an action scene, but it's the flashback to what uh, caused the death of Marcus, who is uh, Veronica and Harry, that's Liam Mason, uh, the death of their son. And not an action scene at all, but it's one of those moments where there is violence involved in his death, and it, like, literally, I went, oh, when it happened. And it's also a moment that is filled with the, the kinds of ideas and commentary and whatever you want to call it, the themes that McQueen and Gillian Flynn are getting at and, and working with. Something that is not uniquely American, but certainly something that is on the minds of many Americans and, and what happens to Marcus and, and just how he dies, unfortunately. And so that moment, while it wasn't like a heist, like an action sequence, was it a moment of action, I guess you could call it, that really shook me. 
and kind of stopped me in in my tracks. So that one, if we want to do some spoiler talk, uh, which I, I think would be worth it with Widows, really grabbed me. Uh, uh, is there anything that I'm missing that you wanted to cover? Well, not that we can cover without spoiling it. So let's 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 spoil. All right. Cool. So, of course, folks, from this moment, we are going to get into some spoilers. I think it'll be worth it because there are some pretty fun twists and turns here, or not so fun like we're maybe about to discuss. So be mindful if you have not yet watched Widows. Both Christian and I would recommend you do that, it sounds like. Yes? Yes, Christian? yes, absolutely. Yeah, definite recommend here. So go watch Widows and then come back and finish the, the spoiler discussion here. All right, Christian, back to you. Okay, so... Do we want to talk about Marcus first, or do we want to talk about Daniel Kaluuya? Uh, we, well, we'll talk about Marcus first. Let's do that. So Marcus gets killed by a cop after he does an illegal U-turn. Right. Marcus pulls an illegal U-turn, he has to return something home after borrowing the car, and uh, the officer... The sad thing is, is that when you hear the cop, you know what's going to happen. You do. You do know what's going to happen. And he's on the phone with Harry, trying to return something home, and so he pulls the term when he shouldn't, the cop pulls him over... Marcus isn't really fully paying attention to the officer who tells him to get out of the car, keep your hands where I can see them, which, as you know, you're supposed your hands to where I can see them. ask for license and registration, not license immediately registration. pull someone out of the car for an illegal U-turn. And Marcus, I believe, is not fully, he's on the phone and kind of reaches into the passenger seat or the glove box, presumably going for his registration or the object that he was going to return to Harry, and the officer immediately pulls out his gun and fires two or three shots. And that's the moment that this, it, it stops you in your seat. It, it widens your eyes. It causes you to tense up. Um, Especially since earlier in the movie, there's there's a scene where Harry is trying to be more intimate with um, with her, and uh, flashback. She's, yeah, in a, in a flashback at, with Veronica, and Veronica says, um, "You should no, no, no." He says, "Don't make me regret." having a child with you or don't make that be my only regret and she goes maybe you should have had a child with someone else that way he would still be alive and you now understand that it's bringing a different layer of racial tension into a movie already just straddled with racial tensions that even that begin well don't even begin but are furthered by the fight between Brian Terry Henry and Colin Farrell. Right. For either a white man taking control of the world or the first black man taking control of the world. Right. Neither of which are good options because <laughs> both of them are deeply flawed off yeah, people. We we mentioned Colin Farrell. He plays Jack Mulligan, who is the son of the current alderman who's leaving office, and we learn that they've been in office for decades upon decades. And of course uh, Jamal, Brian Terry Henry's character, is literally like a crime boss. <laughs> like, that's what he is. He is a, a career criminal trying to go straight uh, and enter into politics. And so, yeah, two two bad options. But we see these racial tensions played out in sort of the, the public level, kind of a uh, white politician versus the black politician. But we also see the ways that racial issues play out in more private situations, be it the marriage of a white man and a black woman, be it the ways that, you know, the three women being a black woman, a Hispanic woman, and a white woman all interact, or even some of the subconscious things that we start talking through, like some of the ways that other characters do treat Veronica as a black woman. Uh, so that moment in particular is the, the biggest, loudest example of, of those kinds of, of themes, unfortunately, because it's jarring to watch. And what's... <laughs> 
Well, I'm I'm gonna talk now about Daniel Kaluuya soon because all of this, you know, has been dramatic. Uh, and the Daniel Kaluuya scene, he comes, Jatem comes, and as soon as the widows have stolen from the vault, he stops them, takes their money. He's in the car, the money in the back, and they have acquired a different car. I don't remember, maybe it was one of their cars before. I think, yeah, I think it's one of their... And they chase him down and hit the back of his van, not once, but twice, and he crashes into, like, the le- the on-ramp onto a highway, it looked like, and dies. And I'm not gonna lie, I was cheering the whole time. <laughs> you do cheer for the, the criminal who's murdered people to die, I guess, that is true. And cause, cause it's like <laughs> these, it, it's like the ultimate from the three women, and we haven't even really mentioned Michelle Rodriguez's character that much. Who I think ran, I want to say, a quinceanera dress shop. That's what it looked like. Yes, her part in the predicament is that her dead husband has been gambling away the money that was supposed to be paying their lease for the shop. And 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 so, the three of them are like, uh, just stop effing with us. Just let us have this money, which you already want to take anyway, which is just 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 a wonderful scene. But I wanted to point out another scene that really took my breath away in the movie, which was when it's right after. It's not even really like a tense scene. It's just the filming of a car driving Colin Farrell from one place to another, because we are talking about how he has been uh, taking money from the minority workers he has been empowering. He gets into this car. We see the camera um, shoot him uh, it's like a less than one minute car ride from where he was which is an impoverished neighborhood to his own house which is not that far away big and wealthy he is talking asking is it his wife or like a worker someone i think she's like his 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 assistant basically maybe his campaign manager kind of combo but but he asks her if he's ever had sex with the black man as the as the drive goes on, you realize that the driver is black. And so you have just gotten like eight different pieces of information, not just his scene of dialogue, but also how short the drive was to where they got and um, how the people who work under him are needing to put up with him. I mean, plus that that whole drive, like the camera doesn't go into the car. Once they get in, we don't see them. They're just voiceover. As this car drives from this, I believe there's like a building project going on. He hosts this event for minority women business owners. And he drives back to his home, like he said, basically a minute away. And in this fan, we see the, whether it's gentrification or just the clear distinctions in certain Chicago neighborhoods between the wealthy areas of the neighborhood versus the poor areas of the neighborhood. We see how smashed up against each other they are and, and how basically this guy's living in he i mean he's obviously some type of hypocrite we know that he's taking advantage of these businesses like you said and he's not really in politics as a way to uplift the community genuinely not not in it to to drive change in a positive way to really uh promote obviously the common good it's it's because his father did it and so now he's gonna do it and it's because it's a he can stay wealthy while he does do it and that moment really captures his mindset of, all right, I took advantage of these people, now back to my, like, my home a minute away. And, like, and that's something that McQueen brings to it, I think, as a director. 
Where another, also, it's well paced. Yeah, I mean, brilliantly paced. Very, very well paced. Another like equally competent director could have really gotten that like tight, crisp editing between Farrell, his driver who doesn't talk, but as you know, is black, and his assistant. And you you could have done something with that inside the car, but instead, McQueen keeps the camera outside the car, and it brings something totally unique to Widows in, in terms of the themes that it's working with. Um, that's it. <laughs> that's it it's such a, a deep and a dense movie it really feels like we could probably do an entirely separate podcast just unpacking the themes that it's working with uh, I mean there's more to speak on in terms of the way women treat each other men treat women and, and more to do with the whether it be police violence or crime or politicians and how these people are often linked <laughs> uh, and arm in arm with each other to keep certain types of people in power uh, it, it, Widows is really, if you will, indulge my inner English teacher. It's a really rich text, I think, and, and certainly a movie that I'm glad to have finally seen because the the popcorn thrills, so to speak, go along with it very, very well. That's it. That wraps up our third movie. Um, we're gonna we're gonna obviously not end the blend, but talk about some of our favorites from the three movies that we've seen. Let's start right. with a your favorite non-Viola Davis performance. Favorite non-Viola Davis performance. Obviously, there are some really, really excellent performances in all three of these movies. She was not the only Oscar-nominated actor in Doubt or in Fences. And although nobody was nominated from Widows, there are definitely some awards-worthy performances there. Uh, even if you don't want to go by that metric. So just, yeah, a lot of great people here. I was really torn between two of her male co-stars, of course. I mentioned how much I appreciated Philip Seymour Hoffman in our Doubt episode, but I did have to go with Denzel Washington in Fences. Same. Uh, he, that's, that's, that's my pick as well. He's incredible as Troy Maxson, and it's one of those moments where you really get to take in one of our finest actors working across from another one of our finest actors working. Both Denzel and Viola turn in... I mean, I don't even know if... You, like, if you want to call them career best or whatever, but just, like, the fact that they're both this good for so long, you just really grow to appreciate it. He's but fantastic. Troy Maxson's a great, great, great character. Because he's speaking... It's one of those where he's not just speaking to the characters around him, he's, like, speaking to God himself. That's that's how he considers his voice, that's how he considers his demeanor, how, how he just views... And he, like, sucks as a human... But it's because of everything that he's had to put up with. So And Denzel's able to endear us to him. Endear us. Well, to an extent. To an extent. And in that we see the the we see the good things about Troy, the way that he works and provides for his family, the his friendship with, with uh, Bono and his love of a good story and, and a good laugh. We Denzel endears us to those aspects of Troy before starting to reveal some of the ugliness underneath. And even if we don't come to love Troy by the end of the story, we're mourning yeah. what we thought we had in him. We're not like, ah, good. Like, you were with Kaluuya in Widows. <laughs> like, ah, good. Damn. This guy got his comeuppance. Um, favorite Viola Davis performance? Again, a very, very tough <laughs> you, I mean, you can't really go wrong. You can't. You get to pick from two of her Oscar-nominated roles, or in what I learned from IMDb trivia about Widows, after appearing in, I think it's something like 75 movies and TV shows and supporting parts, Widows is her first leading role in a studio movie. So, just, just okay, crazy Okay, studio stuff. movie, because she was definitely a lead in Fences. Uh, yes, but 
That maybe that's not a studio movie. And she was she campaigned was... for supporting actor yeah. for the Oscars and all that. So you know, wait, the we help was the studio. Uh, the help was, but again, was she nominated for Ashley Andrews in a leading role? She was nominated for lead. All right, IMDb. See this? I should have qualified this. Come on, IMDb. You let me down. You just let anybody post trivia. Yeah. Anyway, non- nonetheless, some really excellent performances to choose from here. I. I, like literally, I don't know what to Get say. Get to it. I don't know what to say. Answer Christian. the question. I put the. You were given hours to decide. I was given minutes to decide. <laughs> Normally, you're very good about telling me these categories before the show, but you told it to me right before recording today. So, Christian, I am going to go with Widows, only because I obviously love her in a leading role. And we do get to see, like we're talking about, that sort of duality where she is able, we're not able, but she is commanding in the presence of other women. But we see the ways that she is looked down upon or mistreated when she is in the presence of other men. And over the course of the movie, of course, she comes to really live into the, her ability to, to be in control of the situation, to bring the commanding presence that she so richly deserves. And even as we see one last uh, you know, little moment, that moment where she smiles at the end of the movie, which we realize is the first smile she's given the whole time. One last little spoiler there for you. Sorry, folks. But I am going to go with Widows slightly edging out fences. What about you? I'm going to go with Fences. Just because she seems slightly happier. <laughs> That's fair. No, so the reverse trajectory for her in Fences. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's not just because she's slightly happier. It's because there there is something about how she recognizes she's in a bad relationship. The same way in Widows she recognized that she was not in a good relationship. But she's playing with more, almost. Like, both of these performances are phenomenal. There, there's just something about how we see her interact and give a wider range of sadness and and and, and um, joy, and and uh, piousness to everyone around her. It's it, it's a very very fully fleshed out person whom we get to see over such a long period of time in her life. Yeah. That I love what she was able to do there. Yeah, and that sacrificial love that she brings to literally every other character in the movie is so warm and genuine and the ways that it like cracks and breaks down and frays uh, by the end of the film is heartbreaking and a lot of that is of course uh thanks to the great character that august wilson created but of course so much of it is is due to the strength of her performance well deserving of an oscar win there uh best picture for me it goes to widows actually I, i was torn because I really did enjoy Dow. I think Fences is a, just a touch behind. I think these are three excellent choices for our, our blend here. But, I mean, I, Widows had, gave me the most to think about, uh, although Doubt surely gave me a lot to think about as well. And it really paid off in terms of my how much I desired to see it and how, how much I felt like my expectations were met by the time the movie was over. I wanted more time with so many of these characters I even thought about rewatching certain scenes like right after it was over just because it's such a well done movie and, and Steve McQueen I'm quickly learning is a director that I need to become just fully familiar with because he's knocked me off my feet repeatedly as I have watched his movies. So I I did have to give this slight edge to Widows with much love and affection to Doubt. Although because Viola only plays uh, you know, for about eight to nine minutes in that movie, I, I didn't feel too bad in this blend about her picking the one where she plays a lead role. What about you? I'd also go with Widows because there's there's so much going on there. There's so many. It's it, not just the variances in text, uh, but there's such a greatness to how well 
these action scenes, these car chases, this this tension was handled with the relief bringing this actual relief that I I, I just can't deny how how well Steve McQueen directed that, how well Gillian yeah. Flynn and Steve McQueen wrote this, and how well Viola Davis was able to lead this cast. One of the the cliches of the heist movie we didn't get to is, of course, the clean getaway and the way that they handle the getaway in, uh, in in Widows, I think, is especially well done also. There's a little... There's one final confrontation that Veronica has at the end, and there's a nice little tied bow, a little payoff uh, that she gets after escaping that encounter. I, I won't say how, of course, but it's, it's uh, it just puts a smile on your face uh, when you know they're going to get away with it. Alright, and, and I want to just ask this question, which is not necessarily an award, but it's where what would you what kind of role would you like to see her take on next based on the three that we've seen you know christian one thing before i answer that question that i've noticed about our i uh, this actress we admire so much is viola davis is probably one of the best movie criers we have <laughs> in all of these movies she's crying and truly just stupendous movie crier <laughs> <laughs> there are boogers coming out of her nose. Oh my gosh! Yeah, she great. she gets messy with it. Yeah, totally, totally uh, emotionally vulnerable and available on screen. And so, uh, frankly, part of what I want to see her do is act in a comedy. Like she's <laughs> and she's made a couple, so I'm going to try to watch one of them before we get to our episode next week. But Viola Davis is obviously just an excellent actor, and excellent actors don't always make for great comic performers, but. I think she has the, the verbal acuity, of course, the, the wits and the charm to pull off a more comedic performance. And so I'd love to see her in a comedy where she doesn't have to lose beloved family members, deal with their sexual abuse or physical abuse, to not crying, not, not bubbling out snot. She just gets to tell jokes and have a good time. <laughs> that, and I think, I'm, I'm frankly... I'm very much in a, a state of growing excitement for The Woman King, which we'll get to see this weekend when it hits theaters and talk about it a little bit next week. I'm really excited to see her take on an action role where, unlike Suicide Squad, she's actually participating in the action. Should be a good time. I want to see her as as the mad, evil genius. And this is what <laughs> I mean. Like, I want to see her in the Brian Tyree Henry like position where she yes. is a villain in the movie who gets to like just just play with the others and i know she's probably gonna do i think she's gonna do a variation of that in the upcoming hunger games movie that comes out next year ballad of songbirds and snakes she's like the she's i think she's the villain there and i think she she, cast in that yeah she's the villain oh man she leads a young uh, cornelius snow astray (laughs) say it ain't so he grows into be donald sutherland Yeah, just looking at some of the other movies she's made, especially in her long career supporting in Hollywood, I do wonder if she has had a chance to be a villain, even if not like the head honcho. So uh, maybe maybe some opportunity to do some homework and find that, but I do agree. I think that would be a pretty fun character for her to sink her teeth into, just the, the unhinged evil genius. She, I'm sure she would do great with that. I mean, there's a variation of that in Ma Rainey. She's not rightful in Ma Rainey, but she's definitely no. toying with people. Yeah, Ma Rainey, of course, another August Wilson adaptation, and definitely a, a more complicated uh, woman there, where she knows what she's about, and sometimes what she's about is uh, being the boss. But, of course, there are different reasons for that. 
So uh, definitely a, a good Viola as maybe villain performance if you want to check that out for you listeners at home. It's a Netflix original. It's available for you. All right. With that being said, that's our show. That's right. And just a reminder for next week, we are going to do a brief discussion on The Woman King before getting into our top five Viola Davis performances. Christian, would you say you have a top five list already and you're looking for something to maybe swipe a spot or are you still searching to fill out that list? You're looking for your number five or you're wrestling with your number one and two or where are you at with that list? The issue is I have seen her in nothing where she's been bad. Right. <laughs> so I'm trying to just find more things that she's done that are wonderful to, to, to supplement my list. Yes. Uh, really, the problem with some of her earlier roles is, of course, although she's never been bad at something, you do get your Ender's Games where she gets a couple moments to shine, but otherwise her like actual scenes that she's in, unfortunately, could have probably been played by pretty much anybody. Uh, and, and she's in those small supporting roles where she doesn't get too many chances to really shine. So that's, that is the, the, the shame of Hollywood when it comes to Violet Davis. But she's turned in a ton of great work, in, especially in more recent years. Although earlier performances, I'm sure, uh, have, have their charms and hopefully will make their way onto our list. I know for me, I'm kind of searching for something to fill it out. I feel like I have my, my one, two, three, four, but... I'm really searching for that number five. And, and of course, not, not to say that I want to find her in a movie where she's really good, not exceptional, but like really sad, you know? <laughs> I mean, of course the list can move around, but I'm hoping to catch up with a couple more of her performances and really get a, a good body of work to choose yeah, from. Yeah. But of course, we hope you tune in for that next week, folks, because that is our show today. Uh, there are a few things that you can do to support the show other than gratefully listening, which uh, I know we appreciate here. Gratefully listening. Good gosh, that sounds weird. We're grateful for your listening. You can listen however you want. But there are a few things that you can do to support the show that we would very much appreciate. Number one, of course, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review if applicable to your podcatcher of choice. Helps us grow and reach new listeners on those different platforms. You can also send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com where we are regularly monitoring that inbox and taking listener feedback. And we really do sincerely love to know that there are folks out there listening. And it would mean a lot to know some of your favorite Viola Davis performances. Or maybe you got a chance to catch up with Widows just like the two of us and wanted to share your thoughts on it. So would love to know your feedback, whether it's about Viola Davis and her work or maybe about an idea for a blend of the month that you had, looking at October, November, December, or maybe just a movie you want us to cover and we'll figure out the blend. Let us know your thoughts. Again, our email is cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media. I and the show are on Twitter. Christian is on Instagram. And we're both on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Well, with that, Christian... Any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? No. No final thoughts except go see The Woman King? Go see The Woman King. I, I legitimately really hope this movie has a big opening weekend because Gina Prince-Bywood is the director. She did The Old Guard for Netflix most recently. Which, which people liked. Yes, I, I liked it. I mean, it was a really fun action movie. And The Woman King seems like it gets to expand her scope and scale to a much more epic status. And so I'm really hoping it does good business. I'm really excited to see it. So go check out The Woman King. We'll have to talk about it with you next week, folks. And until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.